Welcome to the Jill Monaco Show. I'm your host, Jill. Each week, I hope to bring you a message that inspires, encourages, or challenges you to go after and live a life you love. Join me and my friends as we explore what it means to love God, love ourselves, and love others. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Here we go. series the last few months with women speakers and authors that I respect and I believe you'll be blessed by. Now, I've asked each of them to share something God has been showing them in this season. So I'm excited for you to hear my conversation today with Chris Watako because Chris not only brings her experience, but a vast knowledge of what is going on in the body of Christ. Chris is a speaker, director of From His Hands Ministries and the Singles Network Ministries, and is the author of five books. Chris has served in ministry in various capacities for over 25 years. Chris is the kind of speaker that keeps a crowd captivated and motivates people to make a difference in the lives of those around them. I love watching her speak. She always has something not only poignant to say, but she is hilarious as well. Well, Chris came into my life when I first started my ministry, and I didn't know what to expect. And although she didn't know me, she spoke truth. Some of it was kind of hard to hear, but she also encouraged me. She didn't sugarcoat the challenges I would expect when it comes to starting a ministry, but she also didn't hang up the phone and say, hey, good luck to you. She really kept in touch with me and checked in on me. She invited me to her conference and even shared her hotel room with me to help me save some money. I don't know that many selfless people like Chris. She truly emulates the how to love well. Now, you're going to hear in our podcast today a conversation about what God's doing in her life, a little bit about her ministry, and how she can encourage you as a speaker. I really know you're going to be blessed by this conversation, so let's head over to Chris. Chris, I'm so glad you're on my podcast. I hope I can live up to that description of me. (laughs) You are just, I can't believe it's taking this long to get you on the podcast, like for us to, our schedules to connect, because you've just, everything I said in that description of you is so true. You have such a huge heart. You've been so generous to me. um, And I just, I know God is just going to pour out blessings back on you for all the the truth that you spoke over me on. Hey, Jill, why are you doing ministry? (laughs) Like, why are you picking this girl? You know, it's hard, right? I was like, no, I didn't know it's going to be hard. Well, you know, a a lot of people, you know, get into ministry um, because they're they're trying to fix a need. They're trying to fill a hole. And Mm, they, you know, or or, yeah, if somebody says, you know, you'd be really good at dot, 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 you should do dot, dot, dot. And it's like, oh, yeah. And for, you know what, you're off on this tangent, yet you maybe don't have everything, you know, really God hasn't said those things. It's just there's such a need in your life. And I always tell people, you know, ministry starts with you and one person, um, you know, and so we have these big dreams of this huge thing, but I said, but you know, are you able to just sit with one person and disciple one person, start there and then mm-hmm. see where God takes you. And so um, you, you made a comment about, it. I don't sugarcoat it. Yeah. I've kind of have a reputation for being fairly direct, but <laughs> I, I'm direct because so many are doing it for the wrong reasons. And I want them, I don't want them to fail. I don't want them to spend tons right. of money and energy and time and resources and 
when, you know, maybe perhaps God isn't saying start an international ministry. God is saying, hey, start a Bible study with three ladies in your home. And that's right. where it should start. So if I can kind of shock people a little bit in the beginning and say, have you done this? Have you done this? Have you done this? And they go, oh, OK, maybe I need to wait a little bit. And uh, and a lot of times it'll be, Jill, because we speak for you know living. Uh, you know, a lot of times people will call me and want to bring me to their church or their ministry. And I'll ask some hard questions. And as much as I'd like to go and I would love to you know, be there to minister, I want to be there when the timing is what God wants. And mm-hmm. so I want them to be ready for, you know, me coming. But because by them being ready, I want to make sure that they're where they need to be. Um, yeah. So, yes. But thank you. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Well, and I think it comes out of your heart that you you just really want people what you said you want people to be successful and what i love about what you did with me is that you not only asked the hard questions to help me make sure i was really being called by god i and you didn't know me but you are one of the few people that did that people that knew me didn't ask those hard questions and so um i felt very loved by you because i didn't feel like you were saying don't do it you're like okay here's what you need to know in your heart yep. in order to know that you're called so you'll be successful in this. Yep. And then you didn't just drop me off the planet. You were you kept in touch. And I I always felt like, oh man, I don't even know this lady. And she's spending a little bit more time with me than people that have known me. But that's just the beauty of the kingdom and and how God brings people together. Um, that sometimes we end up helping someone we don't even know that well because we feel called to. And so thank you for pouring into my ministry. Sure. Well, you know, that's that's discipleship. And, you know, we disciple in different ways. We disciple one-on-one with a person just in the Lord. You know, you're, you led someone to the Lord or you, you've come alongside them during their journey and you feel specifically you want to pour into that person. But for me, I would say that although I do, I do individuals because it keeps you fresh, keeps you you know, uh, you know, back to the basics. I'm discipling my yeah. little cousin right now. Her mother passed away that I grew up with in October and mm. she's 15 years old and God told me to, to disciple her. And I have, this young woman has never been in church. So she doesn't know mm. about Jonah. She doesn't know about Noah. And so she has really, really mm. challenged me to go back to basics to make sure I understand the simplest of Bible stories. Um, but at the same time, I would say the majority of the people that I feel led to a disciple are people that are also in ministry, specifically women or singles ministry, because so many that want to do singles, and you know this, Jill, so many really just want mm-hmm. a social club. You know, um, mm-hmm. I get, you know, the average age person that calls me is 55-year-old empty nester, female, um, a lot of times unemployed, who is feeling very empty and says, hey, I want to start a singles ministry to, to, to reach all those people like me. And some of them, I, I talk them, I, I, you know, I, may, I may sound discouraging, mm-hmm. but I'll say, you cannot start a reason. You cannot start a singles ministry because you just, you yourself are lonely and you have nothing to do on Friday night. But occasionally I'll get somebody who comes along that says, no, I, I really want to start a Bible study to minister to people. I really want to help people get where I'm at because God has brought me through something really bad. And, and those are the ones I go, okay, let's talk a little bit more. And those are the ones yeah. that I will then, hey, how's it going? What, what, since our last conversation, what have you been doing? Because I truly believe those are the ones that are, are going to impact the most because they, they understand what God is doing and they're doing it for the right reasons. And those individuals are the ones that I feel led that I need to follow up with to help them stay encouraged yeah. you know, in the journey. 
Right. And, you know, you mentioned the the person who wants to start something because they're lonely. And I think what they're identifying is a real need. Um, but if we're ever doing ministry to fill us instead of doing ministry to serve yeah. others, mm-hmm. that gets so dangerous because the minute ministry doesn't go the way you want, it's because it didn't fill your need. Right. And and the church will always, like the people of the church will always fail us because everyone is hurting and broken in some capacity. So, um, but that's a whole other topic. I mean, really about, you know, we go on a tangent about that. We've both learned so much about that, but I do want people to know um, a little more of the ministry work you do overall. Can you give everyone kind of a highlight about that? Sure. Um, I would say for the last 25 years, I'd say primarily I, I work with single adults. Um, I help start ministries in churches that are still open to doing that. Um, I would say the ministry model has changed in that, you know, very few churches are doing singles ministry per se. Some of their, some of them are ministering to singles. They still have Sunday school classes or small groups, but now I primarily help uh, people in a para minister organization, like people who have meetups and Facebook groups and, or who are, you know, a part of the church, but they're doing their own separate ministry um, within a city. So I do a lot of equipping, a lot of training, um, a lot of counseling. I do a lot of, I have a lot of phone calls. Um, and then occasionally a church will continue to bring me. I do retreats and conferences and I teach and I write. Um, but more and more as I've aged up, I'm doing women's ministry. And so I'm seeing a huge need uh, and, and, and understand, you know, men have, a, have issues and, and needs and things too. But I just feel really called to work with the, the, the female, the single lady or the married lady. And uh, so what I've seen change in the last, I would say, two or three years is I'm really sensing God wanting me to help women who have, have really a struggle letting go of things in the past, things that are keeping them from moving forward because I've had to deal with my own things. And so, um, you know, you can do singles and women's ministry all day long. You can have cookouts and lunches and you know, all kinds of cute little retreats and conferences for women and singles. But if people are in the same place when you got there that they are when you leave, um, what are you doing? And so for me, I just kept hearing from these ladies. I would do an event somewhere and and ladies would come up to me and say, you know, I I lead a Sunday school class. I lead a small group. Um, I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm, I'm a single mother. And I really can't I'm struggling. I can't seem to get past what my ex did to me or, you know, there's some type of self-esteem issue. So they want to be equipped. They want to do the Lord's work. They want to serve jail. They want to start a Bible study. They want to do singles ministry, women's ministry, but they're so empty. And so I would say in the last couple of years, God, I've seen God slowly start to change some of the things that I've been doing and uh, really focusing more on the individual than so much the pastor and the leader. Although I, still want to help those as well, but it seems to to be changing a little bit. Yeah, because you have a lot of experience with helping churches create programs. And um, and I, I think I'm just feeling kind of led to just for your wisdom to get to those that are listening that aren't single, but are mm-hmm. in leadership in church or um, maybe have influence to be able to help singles and they're not necessarily singles themselves. What would you say to what do you say to churches or communities that really need to help this demographic that might be hurting and overlooked? What's the best way for them to help? Well, I think, you know, not every church is called to have a singles ministry, uh, but every church is called to minister to singles. So 
while, you know, and you have to define singles ministry, you know, Jill, when we were younger, I, I knew I was single. I had no problem calling myself single, but today 20 something say they're not single. They're just young adults. So identifying the single adult in your church, you know, widows or they don't think of themselves as single because the word single means you're looking for someone. And so the churches have a hard time figuring out how do I advertise or promote or create things to reach the single when the definition of single means a lot of different things to lots of people. So my, my you know, encouragement to churches is if you're not feeling led to, call, to start a singles ministry, which is, you know, do a Bible study, you know, maybe have some events, have a way for singles to gather, you know, singles gather in large groups. And from the large groups, they form small groups. They don't typically go to someone's house they don't know and go to a small group. So they, they like to gather. But if your church is not equipped to do that, you don't have the funding, you don't have the resources. If you would just from the pulpit, from the pulpit would just include us in sermons. That's the biggest place that we can start. And that's the biggest place that can make a difference. So when you talk about Jesus, remember that he was a single adult. Um, pastor a friend of mine says, you know, every time we pray, we're praying to a single adult. And people kind of go, what? <laughs> and it kind of <laughs> th- throws them off. And I said, you know, I'm not saying you, you, you know, talk about Jesus in a singleness, although, you know, I got a study on that, but it's more so that when you are talking about people in the Bible and their singleness could perhaps been a value, like Paul being a single is a value because it allowed him the flexibility to travel um, or talking about single mothers and single fathers and how the Bible talks about taking care of those that are widowed and orphaned. So, from the pulpit, if we just, if I say to pastors, just squeeze us in there somewhere and to remind us that we are valued and loved by God and we're just as important in the kingdom as married people. And while I think most singles would like to be married, not all will be, um, not all are able or equipped to be, but that, you know, we want to get everybody to the Lord. Um, and so right. that's kind of what I just tell, but, and if they, you know, obviously if they really do, you know, we'd like to start something, but we don't have any idea what to do. Well, you know, they can actually, you know, come to my website, thesinglesnetwork.org, or go to From His Hands, and there's tools on there on everything. It's all free, tools on how to start and to grow and um, to, you know, be affirmed that this is the direction that God wants you to go in your church. That's great. Yeah, I I love all the free resources that you have. Um, and I really wanted to highlight that for people that, because there are still, I hear from, obviously I was running Single Matters Magazine mm-hmm. and I still do courses for singles. And so I hear just what you said. They want to connect. They want to meet other people. Um, they feel a little shame of going to church to meet their spouse. Like, I know I'm not supposed to go to church, you know, to meet a husband. <laughs> well, where else are you supposed Like, I think that's a great place. I do too. I, mean, you I do go, too. Like you go to church to, to worship Jesus because you love him, but... I think he's okay with you having a kind of another, I mean, he doesn't want you to go to a bar. Right. So, <laughs> you know, um, it's it depends on what your focus and priorities. If you're going to church because you're looking around, um, then, you know, you're not there for him at all. That's right. kind of, you know, well, you know Jill, walking people, into danger zone. People go to church for all kinds of reasons. Some people go because they get free food and that's their motivation. You know, some people go because they're getting mm-hmm. somebody to babysit their kids. Some people are going because mm, they, they don't have a social life. We all go sometimes for the wrong reasons. But when you're there and and and, and you begin to hear the message, you begin to see God transform you. I don't care why people go to church. I just want them when they get there, I want them to realize, you know, if, if, if what brings you in the door is looking for a spouse, or heaven forbid, again, you meet them in church. If what brings you in the door <laughs> is that you heard there's a good kids program, it's okay. 
because right. we want to get you to Jesus. Right. And it is about being with the fellowship of believers and and we all, you know, God uses lots of different motivations to lead him to lead us to yes. himself. So, yeah, good word there. Um, so making a little bit of a transition, I want to talk about um, just about women um, that you're seeing some of the needs as you're doing women's ministry. Um, what are some of the greatest needs among women right now? Um, you know, this was I was on the phone today with actually a singles pastor, which was amazing. And we were talking about um, some of the hurts and pains and things that he has seen, what's coming in his door. And I think for me, um, and this is and, and this is happening to all women, but because I do a lot, I work with a lot of women in leadership that are, you know, mm-hmm. teaching Sunday school, small groups. They're, you know, they're they're serving. They're, you know, maybe they're a greeter on their or they're head of socials or they're serving in some capacity. And what I'm just sensing is the lack of being able to move. They're kind of in the same place where they were, and they're functioning. Uh, where people don't know the difference, peace, you know, they're, they're functioning mm-hmm. out of um, a partial feeling. I say of the Holy Spirit, like they're, they're really good at doing whatever they do. They're good at being a mother. They're good at being a wife. They're good at being a single, uh, single woman. They're good at be serving in church and nobody knows that they're hurting mm. and they're embarrassed. Uh, they don't, you know, they're afraid to go to counseling. They're afraid like, you know, somebody's going to find out too much or, you know, or Jill, they come to me and they'll say, I'm really, um, you know, I'm really struggling with this hurt that happened to me. And you begin to peel away the layers and you find out it's not that hurt. It's actually something deeper. Mm-hmm. And they've never reconciled it. They've never gotten counseling. They've never really talked to God about it. They've, uh, they're kind of spinning, they're stuck and they don't know how to go forward. And so that's, you know, that's kind of goes back to that other conversation. I'm just really seeing you know, I want to help train the leader. I want to help train that that ministry. But if you've got people that are supposed to be leading and in charge and they themselves are hurting and struggling right. and haven't let go of the past and haven't let go of things that they can't control or maybe there's a, a friendship, somebody they hurt and they can't tell them they're sorry because they can't find them or they've died um, or they're having self-esteem issues. They really, really don't understand the love of God. They keep trying to work themselves to heaven. Um, I'm seeing a lot of that kind of things. You know, you said something that um, I was just talking about the engineer of, for the podcast about before we started today, and that was um, people are afraid in the church to talk about their need for counseling mm-hmm. or their their emotional stuff because it almost has been seen as a disqualifier because if you're not in a good place, you shouldn't be serving. You can't lead right. others. others. And the challenge with that is some people have this as your job. So how do you give up your job so you can go heal? No other job requires that. You continue doing your job while you're getting counseling and you can be transparent. Maybe not with your, if you're in corporate America, you're not telling your coworkers, but in the, in the church and people who are leading in ministry, um, to be vocal about it is also to, you know, release your testimony. You want to maybe do that after you've gone through it and then say what you were going through and what God did, but there isn't a lot of space for you to be vulnerable. Mm -mm. Um, And it also brings some shame. Mm -hmm. Like I shouldn't be going through this because I'm a mature Mm -hmm. leader. And I think that is a real problem. We're not creating enough space. I think there are places that do it, but not enough space. I mean, I know when I was going through something a few years ago, I would try and reach out to friends and just, 
try and, and, you know, I was looking for someone that could like listen, but I felt guilty unloading my stuff onto them. I was like, this really isn't theirs to carry. And then I went to a counselor and they just didn't get the church world at all. And even though they're a Christian counselor, it was platitudes and what I needed to do. And so what I've discovered is that, especially with leaders, they need to be heard Mm -hmm. and they need to be validated and they need to be loved. And so if we can start there, the healing can begin and then you can give advice mm-hmm. and you can give to-dos, but it has to start with validating, feeling safe and validating the pain and being loved and compassionate to where they're at because they can't see where they need to go or they already know it and they're beating themselves up anyway because they can't get there. I, I don't think that people really understand God's love, that unconditional love. We still, we're in a world that's conditional. So if you mm-hmm. don't do A, it doesn't lead to B. I mean, everything, if you don't work, you don't get a paycheck. If you don't put gas in the car, it doesn't go. Right. So it's so hard to capture or understand that God loves you no matter what you could possibly do, no matter how much you right. disappoint him, that he doesn't stop loving you. And and he wants all of it. I had, um, I had one of the things that I see a lot is, is performance. You know, I'm, I'm going to do these things and God will mm-hmm. love me. I'll be, you know, because my job, if I do these things, then my boss loves me. So I'm going to do these things right. for God. Well, I was sharing, like I said, with a pastor earlier today, and we were talking on the subject of suicide. And that's a heavy topic, and I'm sure for another program. <laughs> but we recently lost a single um, in a ministry mm-hmm. that's not directly correct connected to mine, but another ministry. And we were just trying to figure out, you know, where were the signs, were there signs, and what was going on. And and we we reeled it back to understanding God's love and just that this person was so desperate to find love that it, they were being rejected over and over and over. And so what they thought was love, they thought love of the opposite sex would give me value and give me hope, which is really a yearning for love from the Holy Father, from our God. And so, um, because just like the woman at the well, we, <laughs> you, no person can complete you. No person can va- give you value. It has to come from the Lord. So as we as friends, if we don't encourage people in that direction, if we don't say, you know what, I want to be here for you. I want to listen. I want to support you. I hear you when you say what you're saying, because a lot of times we often don't really listen to people, but ultimately we need to continue to, you know, remind them of just how much the Lord loves them. Well, when I was sharing with this pastor, I was saying that, you know, I've been in ministry for over 25 years, getting close to 30 years. And Jill, and, and I don't mind telling people this because they probably are thinking, really? Well, about, oh, gosh, eight years ago, nine years ago, um, my father had passed away. I was at a low point in my life. Um, never felt depression before until he had passed away. And my mother decided to move in with me while she was going to have a house built. And I remember sitting in my living room and there were boxes all around me and I felt claustrophobic. Like all these boxers are they're, they're coming into my brain. And, and I said to God, I, I've got so much to do. I've got to do this. And I got to do this. And I got this responsibility. I've got to pay the bills. And I've got, oh my gosh, my mother and my, my dad. And, and my brain was just spinning of how everything was on me. And God gave me this visual of a game called Kerplunk. Now, I don't know if you remember that game. I do. Okay. Go ahead. So it's like Jenga for all young listeners out there that are listening. So it's like Jenga, but it's this big tube that has all these marbles in it with these straws and the straws are supporting the marbles and you take turns pulling out a straw and hoping that, you know, you're not pulling the one that's going to release all the marbles. And so God gave me this visual that 
I was standing there every time life would pull out a straw. I was there trying to push it back in because I was trying to hold up all the marbles. And what God reminded me, he says, Chris, I'm the one that holds the marbles. When they fall, I'm the one who catches them. He said, when did you ever think that this was all about you? When did you ever think that you had to do all this? When did you think that you had to perform to earn my love? Where's that in scripture? And Jill, for the first time, and by this time I was doing, I've been doing ministry, you know, 15 years. I've been pouring into people, Bible studies and teaching and writing. And I finally got it, that God loved me. And I, mm. maybe my dad didn't love me as much as he could. I had a wonderful stepfather, but I didn't have such a great birth father. Maybe my mom made mistakes. Maybe this guy didn't love me. And I thought, you know, it was going to be the one. But God loved me no matter what. And that's when the light bulb went off and everything changed in the ministry. And so I think how many other people, it's the same thing. It's the same yeah, thing. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think you're right. It all comes back to really knowing the Father's love. I mean, and that's, you know, John 15, if you abide in me and my word abides in you, it's all about abiding and staying and um, and resting in him. And that, and, and not to over-spiritualize it, but truly for everyone listening, I struggle with, with resting and being still long enough before God. Um, and I, I make it a habit because sometimes I don't want to, but when I get there, I'm just being honest, I'm a doer. I get stuff done. I'll tell you. But when I get there, I never want to leave. I'm like, Oh, I have to go to work now, you know, but the abiding is where we get refreshed and renewed, but it's he, that's all he really just wants relationship. He just, everything we do, we we're created to do things for him. It's true. We're here for a purpose. But if we are doing that instead of abiding, then we've missed. It won't matter. The purpose won't matter. It right. won't have an impact. It won't be anointed. It, like I know people that have phenomenal ministries and they're getting so much done and people are blessed. That's not because of them. It's because of the Lord choosing to work yeah. still in those people's lives because they've chosen to abide. Well, and, and, and sometimes we need reminders too. You know, I just... Uh... It was great. Uh, two days ago, I was at the Cove, and I don't know if you ever, you know, you know, the Cove is Billy Graham's conference center. Yeah, I'm going to tell you, as soon as you go through the gates, the Holy Spirit is everywhere. It's really amazing just to feel God's presence there. And so I had the honor of many years ago, I got to speak there, and I still like, you know, put it at my list of like, oh, like it was so amazing. And that's when I used to do singles ministry, uh, our singles conferences many, many years ago. But I went over there for a women's Bible study. And just re-networking, and uh, I just recently moved to Hendersonville, North Carolina, in the mountains. Um, I do a big retreat here every year, and I, I really wanted to come and build relationships locally, because it's not just, a, it's not really about the retreat, it's about all the things that happen, and that's the way it is with any events. It's all the things that happen on the way up to the event, and everything that happened since the event, because, you know, the event's only a few days, but, you know, the relationships are for, you know, hopefully forever. And, uh, right. but I was at the Cove and I, I went to a women's Bible study and then they had another one last Tuesday and then it was a series. And I, I unfortunately got in on the tail end of it and I was sitting in a small group and I was just sharing a little bit about myself and this lady next to me all of a sudden like bonded with me. She just like, for some reason, she just felt very connected to me. And I had prayed before I'd walked into the small group and said, Lord, I really would love someone to mentor me right now, someone to pour into me. Because the, the you know, the critical thing that I walk 
as a Christian is we have to have a way for to be poured into and then a way to pour out. And so it's kind of like a stream, you know, or like a, mm-hmm. a pond. You have to have a source of water coming into the pond or the lake and a source to go out. Otherwise, the pond can't live. And so I um, so I prayed and said, you know, gosh, Lord, I would, I would love it if somebody would pour into me because I do a lot of pouring out and I want to make sure I stay even. And this lady just bonded to me. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And she, at the end of the study, she stood up and she says, here's my phone number. God wants you to call me. <laughs> I said, okay. And then she hugged me and she prayed with me. And Jill, one of the most powerful prayers I'd ever had spoken over my life. And she whispered, God sees you. Mm. And it was just, again, a reminder. Because, you know, Jill, there are days that it's really tough. There are days that you're like, I'm not making any difference. Sure. Why am I even doing this? Yeah. I just need to quit. I need to go. You know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Walmart and just be a griever. <laughs> you know, I, I, I mean, you know, you just like, and it, um, my understanding, those are going away too. And I'm just thinking, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm just going to quit this ministry stuff. It's just too hard. People are just pains and nobody cares. Nobody really is listening. And when she spoke those words into my ear, nobody else heard them, just me. And she said, God sees you. It was such an encouragement to just know that I'm still doing what he wants me to do and to not get discouraged because my authority and my direction and my power comes from him, not from man. Right. I love that because I think I hear so many women leaders saying they want that, but there aren't a lot of, it's just not happening. The older aren't teaching the younger. And so I've started, even in Chicagoland, starting to reach out to different female leaders and saying, can we get together like once a quarter just to talk and share what God's doing and maybe be transparent, you know, and pray for one another? Um, And they're so busy because they're so busy discipling. It's hard to get them to even commit to one day a year. Like, and I know they would need it. They all say they want it. They need it. But they're so busy pouring out and... Um, I've really been intentional to try and find people to pour into me, but I have to reach out. And I, I mean, I'll just admit it. I would love it for someone to say, I just feel called, you know, Um, and not like someone out of the blue. So I'm not saying to a listener that if I don't know you, that might freak me out a little. (laughs) Like, you know, it really has to be someone that, you know, organically the Lord brings in path. Um, but I love what you said about God sees you. It reminded me, and I, yeah. I was I had no intention of sharing this, but I feel like I should. The other night I had a dream within a dream, which is always so interesting to me. Like in my dream, I was dreaming, you know? And <laughs> then I woke up in my dream, I woke up, but I wasn't awake for real. I was in my dream and I woke up and I the Lord had told me in my dream to record the dream because I it was going to be really important to listen to later. And so in my dream, I wake up the next morning and I play it and I hear myself describing the dream. And at the end, I hear the Lord's voice, and which is kind of impossible in the natural, right? And, and the Lord says, like you would to a little kid, I love you, 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 I love you. And then I woke up and like it'll just bring me to tears right now because the night before i had gone to bed and i was asking the lord like some of the questions you're asking like god i'm so tired like am i doing all the things you want me to do 
Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I was hoping for this fruit and, you know, I'll keep serving you faithfully, but you know, I'm giving it to you again. What do you want to take off my plate? Because I've been having, um, a physical injury and I've been in PT a couple of days a week. And so my time is more limited and I just can't keep up the pace anymore. So I have to, right. in order to take care of my physical body, I've got to find out what, you know, ministry and work has to come off. And so I was just, you know, praying the night before and just kind of sad and um, sometimes not feeling seen. Like, don't you know everything I've got going on here? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Can you just give me some wisdom? And uh, I've learned to recalculate with him because, you know, sometimes I take on things that he'd never told me to take on because I have lots of ideas. Okay, I'm an entrepreneur. I've I've learned that I have a... Um, a little bit of a default to a fault there. But um, when I woke up and I heard that I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. It just brought me right back to, okay, like I'm good. We're good. You see me, you know. And I think there's still more I'm unpacking in that dream, but um, because it was just a few days ago. But I feel like sharing that with people, like when we are busy and we're running around. And if you're a woman speaker or a leader like Chris or I, and you're pouring out and you don't feel seen and you don't feel like you're taking time for you and there's no one to pour into you, Chris and I don't have the solution, (laughs) but I think like we would be willing, I'm just putting Chris out there, like we would be willing to do a Zoom call with leaders. Like we'd be willing to pray and and yes. be there in some capacity. Maybe this podcast is the reason we're supposed to put this out there. I have no idea. And if we're not the right people, then maybe you're supposed to, as a leader, call other leaders in your neighborhood. I'm not talking nationwide, but maybe in your community and mm-hmm. pull people together and say, let's just do lunch. Let's do breakfast. Let's do a Zoom call. Let's do something to encourage each other and make it a safe place. So. You know, that, that it's funny that you said that, uh, Joe. Years ago, I used to have, there was movie a movie came out called The Yaya's or something, and I had a group called the Haha, and uh, and these were five women of power, women of influence. They either ran a business or they were um, they had a lot of kids and they ran their home or they were running a ministry. They were women of influence, and there were five of us. And when we we got together once a month for about two years. And when it was your turn, you had to be in charge of the, the day or the night and nobody else could do anything. And the point of that was like, you couldn't pick up your dish to put it in the sink. You could not <laughs> bring a food item. You could not pay for anything. Um, so that at least four months in a row, one night a month, I was being served. Wow. Because when you're a leader and for the women listening, I mean, you know, when you're a leader, a mother, or what, you're just used to serving. You're just used to getting up and cleaning up dishes. You just, just can't help it. Right. And so for one night a month until it was your turn, you had to receive and do nothing. It was so powerful. We did this for two years. Some of the ladies had money. So one lady had a, you know, she had a limousine pick us up and take oh, us wow. to a picnic out in the woods. Uh, and then, you know, we had one lady who had not a lot of money and she, you know, had slippers for us. We got to her house and she had slippers and she made us chili. We sat around talking and I still have those slippers to this day. Uh Um, I had a Mary Kay party. I had free makeovers and I had somebody come and give massages and, uh, chair massages. And so, but the point of that is going back to that, like the zoom idea of how can we come together in a way that can, we can pour into each other. Because we do pour out so much. Yeah. And and it's also being able to be transparent and saying, listen, I'm really struggling with this or that. And then not have people judge you, but have people go, 
I get it. I totally understand. And I will pray for you because I know that, you know, we all have things, but if we're not transparent, Jill, if we don't share, um, I think the enemy loves that. I, I think he loves to keep us trapped in our pain and, 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 um, and keep us where we are. And that goes back to the original thing we talked about was being stuck. Right. Yeah, I agree. You know, you were telling me before we got on the podcast that you really have been learning how to be more intentional with friendships. That's really something that friend relationships is something God has been um, sharing with you. And I think specifically even inviting, you know, brothers in the Lord to be in our friendships. Can you speak to more about that? Yeah, I've, uh, you know, as Christians, uh, we we go from uh, let's say in the, in the dating ring in, in that area as Christians, we go from general friendships to, I want to date somebody and you date them and people immediately assume you're getting married because they see you sit <laughs> beside each other in church mm-hmm. and you, you're not allowed to actually have a dating relationship. You're not actually allowed to have, and I would even say not even courtship because courtship for marriage, but, and yes, we need to be intentional when we date. We've heard that our whole lives as Christians, you know, don't date unless you're think you're going to marry them. Mm-hmm. But how do if I know if I think I want to marry them if I don't date them? Right. So it's kind of like, you know, it's an oxymoron. And so I really felt God, you know, after ministering to single adults for so many years and even ministering to married adults who have told me, I wish I had this when I was, you know, dating my husband, I wish I had this beforehand and trying to even encourage them to counsel their children, their teenagers and so on. So what it is, and you definitely can use this even among, you know, building friendships with other ladies or guys to guys, whatever, when you're just trying to be intentional is I want to intentionally spend time with you to see if you are someone that I, that I do want in my life. So if it's among the same sex, you know, like if, you know, I just met you, Jill. And like we talked about this when we first got on the call, I met you, I heard your heart. I heard you talk about ministry. I saw something in you that said, I want her to be my friend and I'm going to help pour into her to help her with what she's doing. Um, I was intentional. Mm-hmm. I called you. I checked on you. I was intentional. Mm-hmm. Okay. Versus, Oh, well, that's great. That's I'm so happy. You want to do a ministry. Well, praise the Lord. Goodbye. And maybe I'll see you mm-hmm. in some rounds you know, here and there. Mm-hmm. And so, so, but then let's go to the opposite sex. I'd like to be married. I still like to be married. I figured you do too. Yep. You know, and uh, most singles do, but if I, just meet if I just know a guy at church and I see him, maybe we did a you know a mission trip together, I see him in Sunday school, I you know he's my neighbor, whatever. Um, I don't know him well enough to even date him, right? And surely if we start dating, it might create unwanted pressure. So, is there somewhere in between? And so, God gave me the word intentional friendship, and all it means is that you're intentionally spending time with that person to get to know them to see if you want to date, and you have to both be in agreement to do it. And it's simply that you're going to ask a lot of questions. You're going to spend some time together. You are not going to date. You're not picking any other person up. You're not spending money on them. Um, you're not putting your relationship on Facebook. In fact, nobody should really know what you're doing um, because you don't want people to make you a couple when you're not there. Right. But it simply gives me permission to say, can we talk over a few days? I'd like to get to know you. And, and you ask those harder questions that will help you to determine whether this is someone you even want to date. Um, obviously you can't answer everything. You can't right. know everything, right? but you surely, you can get a lot surely of information. Can ask. Yes. And I, so I've had four of these in the last two years, four different um, wonderful men 
that I've had intentional friendships with. And I have learned so much about myself. Mm. And that wasn't the goal. The goal was for me to learn about them. <laughs> but I learned about me. Yeah. And it's it, and, and you do in dating. You do learn about yourself when you date. But dating is so emotional and yeah. so hard when it doesn't work out. So the concept of intentional friendship is you should be able to go back to just saying, you know, I don't really see us as a couple, but I really do like you as my friend. And you should be able to go back to, you know, not in that intentional stage um, without too much, too, too much of a heart that's got involved. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I think it, you know, depends on what stage of life too. I think for yeah. older singles, this is really is a really good idea. Um, I have several men in my life that are single men that are really good friends. And it started off as we might be interested in each other, um, but we're just going to go to dinner or we're going to talk on the phone and we're just going to develop our friendship. And what I liked about it was it wasn't it wasn't like we, you know, people say, oh, but if you become too close friends, you get friend zoned. No, you're supposed to marry your best friend. So um, I find that what happened was with some of them, it was, well, clearly none of them turned into the romantic, but because I'm still single, but um, <laughs> I learned a lot about myself, but I kind of got to practice. Like I got to yes. practice what it was to have a conversation and to share parts yes. of myself and feel vulnerable or learn what, oh, that was an overshare too early, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, and they did too in a space that was safe because there was no pressure that we're dating. Right. And it wasn't like sometimes in the church, people will say, well, if you're not letting people know, then there's no accountability. Yeah, but if we're not dating yet, there's no physical right. stuff going on. We don't need that accountability. Right. I don't need accountability to be a woman's friend. So right. um, so develop learning well, that skill was really helpful for me. Right. And again, that's where like in the four that I've had, I've learned, okay, this one, we went too far. We looked like we were dating. Hmm. This one, we talked about marriage uh, in the first month of our intentional friendship. Mm. Uh, like, okay, don't do that again. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, maybe, maybe this one, not. I met his parents within the first month. Okay, that's called dating. Yeah. Um, and so I had to learn even intentional friendship, there has to be some structure. So God is, and so actually I'm working on writing the structure right now because I had to go through several to write the structure to go, this is when it goes well. This is when it went too far that way. This is when, are you even sure you were in intentional friendship? Right. It looked like it was one-sided. And so what's really sweet, and, and, I, and I have to tell you this, Jill, so there's a church in uh, Orlando called First Baptist uh, Assemblies of God that has a, a wonderful singles ministry led by Pastor Lester. And he's he's got the highest energy and just loves his ministry. Well, they do a Tuesday program on Facebook, Facebook Live, called LOL Live. And they it's a it's a it's a singles conversation. They do live and they speak on all kinds of single subjects. And um, I've had the honor of speaking in his church a few times. Well, the couple, there's a couple that is now that help host it. And I was watching the program on a Tuesday night and I chimed in. They, they can tell who comes in on their Facebook live. Mm -hmm. And I chimed in to say, hey, you know, shout out. And, and, and all of a sudden, the, the young man starts talking about he and his wife. And he says, I, and, and he didn't know I was on the air with him. And he said, oh, we just, you know, we, we, we've got to blame Chris Wataka for our marriage because we heard her concept of intentional friendship. We decided that we would do that with each other because we, we liked each other, but we weren't sure if we were, you know, ideal to get married. And so we started practicing being intentional as friends 
and now we're married and we want to blame Chris Wataka. Well, I, I, and I, and, and right when he said that I had chimed in and he goes, and matter of fact, Chris Wataka just chimed in and I couldn't believe it. And I said, you know, Lord, but that's the key, Jill, mm-hmm. is both of you have to be in agreement. Yeah, that's true. That you can't be, <laughs> if it's one-sided, that's called a friendationship. So, <laughs> you know, you both have to be in agreement that there's something in you that I see that I would like to build on. Right. Now, here's the key, Jill. I may feel like we need to talk once a week and you may feel like we need to talk every day. Okay. I feel like I have to physically see you to, to ask these questions. The other one says, I think I can do it through a text message. Right. <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't know. Those are all rules that you have to, to kind of decide between you and that person. Um, but the, it, the the real core of it, and that's even with same-sex friends, the core is asking an, enough questions to where a person doesn't feel like they're being in a police lineup. Right. But, but asking enough questions that are going to give you a better indication of where they are with the Lord so that you can then make a decision whether you want to go to the next step. Um, are you going to marry them? I don't know. Um, I told some singles yesterday, I said, listen, until you say I do, you can say I don't. Right. And, and so you have permission all the way up to your wedding day to say, you know what, this is not what I thought. But to me, wouldn't it be great in the, in the space between, Hey, I I see you a few times at church and Hey, let's talk about marriage. Wouldn't it be great if there's something in between (laughs) that would let you practice and kind of go, you know what? I thought I wanted to be married, but I'm realizing I really like being single. Right. And there's got to be some of those, but society puts the pressure on too. And so you feel like you have to be like everyone else. You know, one of the things I've really enjoyed in um, some of the friendships that I now have is some of these men, like, well, all of them, obviously I'm not married, but we decided not to continue that. But they're still like my good brothers. Like they know me at a level that, you know, maybe some of my girlfriends know more, but they have a different perspective on my life and they've called out different strengths that I have because they're not intimidated or jealous or in competition. Um, They've also been able to encourage me in ways that maybe I feel insecure with just something simple. Like you look really nice. I have one guy friend who's like, Jill, you're really beautiful. I'm like, really? Like, I just don't hear that. You know, Um, and, you know, I mean, my mom, (laughs) but, you know, (laughs) but there's something of it coming from a man that affirms you and builds you up and kind of makes your, you know, if you were a peacock, your feathers kind of go out. You're like, oh, you know, and um, and then they're also protective of me. So if I am kind of interested or I've got questions about how this other man is talking to me, they're my first. Literally, I go to my guy friends before I go to my girlfriend's. Because yeah. guys know guys. Um, yeah. So it's just been a real, it's been a real fun thing. So I'm glad we touched base on that a little bit. I feel like our podcast has touched so many different subjects. So, um, but in in kind of wrapping it up, what do you think God is teaching you about your faith and like personally right now outside of ministry? Oh my goodness. Well, the, uh, the last two years I have been the busiest that I have been in many, many years. And to the point to where last fall, I go to Europe every year and do ministry over there. And um, I came home exhausted. Mm. And then I moved, sold my house and moved. And I had all that on me as well. And so this year, the speaking has has changed and, it, and my schedule isn't as busy. And I am building relationships locally. And God, uh, and so I'm so used to going 100 miles an hour and all of a sudden mm. I'm not. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, okay, what's going on? What's wrong? What's wrong, God? What, what are you doing here? I don't know what you're doing. I'm used to doing this. Whole, you're not doing this. I'm, I'm, you know, Lord, right? <laughs> and God's like, you know, I know you know, Jill. Yeah. So, and God is like, Chris, 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 Chris. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. Um, I'm, I, I want you to do some things differently, and you can't do them if you're always doing the things you always normally do. Oh, mm-hmm. you mean you want to change directions? Well, I want to make some changes, but you can't. If you're still doing everything the way you always do it, then you can't change. You know, yeah. so you have to stop and let me redirect and whatever. So I am in the biggest trust year that I've had in probably 10 years. Mm. Um, I've never had to trust this much. I've never had to have this much faith. And I have to have a lot of faith in what I do anyway, but I've God has taken it up to the next level. Um, I had a great friend in, in Wales. I have a, a leader in Wales. And she said, you know, Chris, I believe this is a year of birth. And next year is a year of action. And she said, Chris, you are, God is keeping you close to your home base this year. He's allowing you to build relationships. He's allowing you to nest a little bit. He's allowing you to um, spend more time with him in a consistency. Because when you're on the road, it's inconsistent. Um, he's allowing you to build more local friendships, which you don't normally get to do because you're on the road. And so don't miss this. Mm. Don't miss this because, you know, Paul went out and he was gone all the time, but there are instances where Paul stopped and he rested Mm. and he got refueled and he connected with friends and they weren't places where he was building a church. It was a place that he just, you know, like, like Jesus with Mary, Martha, he's just having dinner. So that's where I'm at right now. And I know you if you want the axe to stay sharp, you have to stop occasionally and sharpen it. Otherwise, it doesn't work. And so as much as I'm like, okay, okay, well, this is different. Let's, okay, you know, I need to do this and this, 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 and this, and this. And then I know I'll be back to where I was. Got to say, no, I've got you, Chris. I see you. I've got this. You know. So good. And, and and that's where I'm at right now. And it is hard, Jill. I'm a doer, too, just like you. It's hard. Yeah. But God keeps reminding me every single day that he's got this and I'm, 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 I'm excited for this year and all the things that he's working on. Got some new things that I see that he's, he's putting together. And I'm um, just like a little kid in a candy store. I'm just kind of looking and going, wow, look at what's in front of me. That's so good. I love that. Thanks for sharing that word. I know that's going to minister to a lot of people. Um, and I was in that place of just really resting the last few years. And this year, my speaking schedules picked up again. So, um, and they came out of the blue and nothing I looked for. And, um, you know, people just approached me and I thought, oh, okay, I'm entering into a new season. So it's important to recognize that, that new season, um, because we want to be prepared to do it well. So, well, you know, I see that you're going to be, you're doing the tour, the, the Jennifer Maggio, um, the life of a single mom. Yes. And, you know, it's funny because you are on a single mom and I'm not a single mom and I do a lot of single moms events, which right. I'm always amazed. Like, why do I keep getting asked? Um, but I'm, I'm a daughter of a single mother. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that, you know, not all single moms need to be reminded they're single mothers. Right. Sometimes they need to be reminded they're women and they have needs. And, you know, God is giving both you and I a word in that. And so what an honor that these, you know, the one industry in single ministry that's still doing fairly well is single mothers. And although we need to minister to single fathers as well, please, we don't want to exclude them. But we do know that there's some wonderful people like Jennifer Maggio and Pam Canale and um, Gail Showwater and uh, Linda Jacobs uh, that are still out there. Dale, um, uh, um, Don Vanderwerf, 
are still out there doing an incredible ministry and ministering to single uh, uh, mothers who are single and they're women. Right. So there's, you know, there's just a lot there. And so I'm just thankful to see God use you in Jennifer's ministry. And if people don't know about Jennifer, and I'm sure they can find the resources on your site too, that she is just making a huge impact in the lives of single mothers and grandmothers. Yes. And this year is the first time that she's doing conferences all over the U.S. in a couple cities. So it's new for her. And this podcast, by the time it's releasing, it'll be about a month before these events start. So in June and July, I will be in, uh, I think it's, I don't know the order. One is Houston, one is Pensacola, Florida, speaking at- In Missouri. um, I am not doing the Missouri one. So yeah, in June and July, I'll be speaking in Houston and Pensacola with the conference, The Life of a Single Mom. And so I'll leave that link um, in the show notes as well. So if anyone is interested in in coming, I would love to meet you um, at those events. So thank you so much for mentioning that, Chris. Um, I so enjoyed having you on the podcast and all your wisdom. Um, I, I look forward to catching up with you offline more as well. But I just thanks for being on the podcast. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, everyone, I hope you enjoyed the podcast with Chris today, too. And if you did, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. First, you can subscribe to the show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed and it'll be ready when you are. And second, if the ministry has impacted you, I would love for you to help me reach others. You can leave a review. That helps a lot or share this podcast. And if you want, and I would really love your help, you can click on the link in the description and you can give to financially support the show as well. And, you know, there's something else that I've started recently. And so I would love for you to check out my website at jillmonaco.com. Go and look for the Kingdom Community. It's a brand new community. It's a network of believers who are passionate about pursuing the presence of God and advancing the kingdom. And so it has all kinds of different topics in there if you are interested in blogging or you're an entrepreneur. So there's so many ways for you to connect with other like-minded people. It also has all of my courses and teaching and lots of other free resources all in one space. So check that out. Again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. And you can find out more about Chris if you go to jillmonaco.com, click on the show notes, and you'll find all the links that we mentioned here today, including Chris's website. If you go to fromhishands.com, you'll find all the other ministries that she's a part of. So thanks so much for tuning in today, my friends. And remember, love well, you are made for it.